Hello, humans, and welcome to The S Word. This is episode 28 of your Power Report. <laughs> I am joined here with Sean and Caesar here on this fine episode. They are by my side here. How are y'all doing today? Good. Alive and beautiful. As good as it'll get, right? Big, beautiful, uh, wet bodies here. As we enter in, um, at least what's going to be in Los Angeles, open, wet mouth kiss summer. Uh, vaccines are going ahead and going in. Um, people's faces, uh, people's fecal matter. Uh, we're able to no longer wear masks and oh, maybe wear we're masks all magnetized, again. baby. Let's go. Oh yeah, just nothing but magnets. Just uh, wiping data on all of my computers as I walk around all all times. Um, but no, we're going to begin with uh, speaking of magnets. Maybe we'll talk about machines. We'll talk about Ilhan Omar versus the machine. Right? That's just a name I came up with because Ilhan Omar recently came under fire for making some extremely uncontroversial comments and like i think it makes the most sense to start to play the con the comments in their context first before we really talk about them so ilhan omar is talking to um secretary blinken who is um like serving as the secretary of state right now and it's kind of saying like if we're talking about war crimes and things that are happening that are injustices across the world there should be some consistency on behalf of the american people i would say um especially if we're talking about international criminal courts uh i know you oppose the court's investigation in both um palestine and in afghanistan i haven't seen any evidence in either cases that domestic courts can uh both can and will prosecute alleged war crimes and crimes against humanity. And I would emphasize that in Israel and Palestine, uh, this includes crimes committed by both the Israeli security forces and Hamas. In Afghanistan, it includes crimes committed by the Af Afghan national government and the Taliban. So in both of these cases, if domestic courts can't or won't pursue justice, and we oppose the ICC, where do we think the victims of these supposed uh, crimes can go for justice? In, in both of these cases, if domestic courts can't or won't pursue justice, and we oppose the ICC, where do we think victims are supposed to go for justice? And what justice mechanisms do you support? Secretary Blinken kind of gave like a milk toast answer and like what Secretary Blinken said in response doesn't really change um, the United States is sort of like war hegemony. Um, it sort of just really sort of undermine, uh, underlines it right and um, emphasizes it. But Ilhan's Om Ilhan Omar's comments there that just the same way that there have been crimes against humanity, war crimes um, done by the Taliban in Afghanistan, done by Hamas in, in the West Bank and Gaza and Israel, that area. There are also war crimes that have been done by um, larger powers, i.e. the United States, for example, when and when the United States refuses to recognize any sort of um, any sort of justice internationally, where can people go to seek help? Where can people go to seek for these things? So like on the basis, do you either of you find anything like controversial with those statements per se, like on face value? I know other people do, but just thoughts on that well she's basically just uh, for clarification she's asking like where do victims go of these war crimes where do they go to basically sue a government more or less right or to go to have protections of themselves correct 
Yeah, essentially. Yeah, and there's no issue with that. You're just asking a blatant question of how do you help people that are being either persecuted or having things of war crimes against them so that they have their own legal rights. It's more or less, so there's no issue with that. See, no problems with that? Absolutely not. I mean, America has had a hit. We all know America's history about meddling in other countries' affairs, jumping in and and inserting itself in other stripes when it comes to war. When you do that, what do you expect the reaper? What would you expect to do? Like, what's what's the minimum? The minimum is you're supposed to be able to take in some of these people that are are are, are refugees as a result of this, you know. And and I don't I I'm was kind of waiting for like a uh the the awe shock moment and, and uh, there's nothing there she said nothing it was all pretty neutral like uh, nothing crazy at all right it, it seems like absolutely nothing crazy at all which is funny that um nancy pelosi who has been really quiet during this whole thing about the uh filibuster how essentially joe manchin and kristen cinema have elected themselves as leaders of the democratic party preventing any of the legislative agenda that democrats actually put forth um, and try to win votes on. Uh, Nancy Pelosi doesn't have much to say about that big battle that's going on as a democracy potentially dies in darkness, so you speak, right? But Nancy Pelosi decided to release a statement condemning Ilhan Omar's comments on this matter here, completely not um, seeing the nuance of what she's saying, that war crimes universally should be understood and treated with the severity of what they are and what they really mean, and that no country should be above the law in that matter. Instead, she and pretty much everyone else in the political landscape, not just Democrats, but of course Republicans jumped on this as well, because of course it's going to happen. But everyone took the most bad faith approach to what Ilhan Omar was saying. They were trying to make it say that, oh, America and they're trying to say like, oh, she has no faith in America. She's like not patriotic or any of these things. There's some quote, clip, ah, some clip from Fox and Friends where they were saying that she has no love for this country and she can't even be like kind or say something good about the country once. I mean, we're supposed to, of course, like be caring about our country and find good things about it. But she's an elected official, of course. That's kind of what she's doing, running on the hopes of the country. But she's also got to be critical about it. She's got to be clear. There's like an adult kind of aspect here happening in the room. But yeah, Republicans piled on, which is not surprising. But Democrats even, Democrats, not like other than the usual suspects in the squad um, that are with Ilhan Omar to came up to support her and clarify the statement she was making very clearly in there. Um, but Democrats roundly have come to condemn Ilhan Omar for what she's saying. They're uh, helping give Republicans fodder for the idea that um, the Democrats or Ilhan Omar is anti-Semitic, which is just not doing great for the party in general. I mean, like, it just seems like a mess, but it seems like more Democratic Party politics based on, like, what has been happening with the party over the past, I mean, how many years? Decades, right? I mean, uh, Absolutely. I mean, what's the, the the softest party ever is the Democratic Party. <laughs> they, they, they're they so eager to, like, jump in, in, and jump and uh, ride the coattails of Republicans faster than they are to ride for their own their own party. And it's disgusting. Like, you know, you, they talk so much. You got Nancy Pelosi during uh, last year wearing dashikis over here. But, you know, Ilhan Omar is is, is 
continuing this. She's, you know, she's made a lot of moves getting to where she is today. She's a congresswoman. So a bunch of lames on Fox and Friends talking ill on a congresswoman about what she's about her speaking about the country, be critical of the country. She's an elected official. Like she she represents people. You don't represent nothing. <laughs> and to like see Democratic people jumping on Fox to join in to assassinate like basically her character and her as like her needing to speak well about America because she's an immigrant. She should be thankful and stuff like that. Like, get out of here with that. Like, that's not, that's not, that's honestly not even how democracy is born, right? Like, we need to be critical of our government in order to see things improve, get better. If not, that's how, like, totalitarianism happens. That's how authoritarianism happens because they're just willing to do whatever they want and no one speaks against it. So what's even a stance here? I don't even understand it. Another point, too, is that the Republicans never really like to um, isolate one of their own. So example, like Democrats like to throw, a, a lot of like the top Democrats, Nancy Pelosi, especially love to throw progressives under the bus as much as they can. They love to throw the squad and 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 uh, a bunch of those people out, like the whole beef of AOC and, and Pelosi. And there's been a lot that's been going on throughout <clears throat> the past few years and throughout the history of the Democratic Party. Um, but you'll never really see that from Republicans. They tend to stay united. Even with Trump, a lot of those guys look at Cuck Ted Cruz, for example, where he's one of those never Trumpers until he realized that for his own political gain, he has to do this and become a big Trump supporter and all of that. So you never get that on the other side. And that's why it's very frustrating because you have such a big divide within um, Democrats between the neo-libs and the progressives of it. And even within the progressive um, caucus, they still won't um, combine together and they they will sometimes stick out for each other, but they won't do enough. Meanwhile, the Republicans will always stick together and be this one giant unit, no matter how insanely right they keep going and further and further and further. They just say, fuck it, let's go and just go mental together. They stick together as one. And they need to be with within the Democratic Party. You need to have, I would say I want to be cliche and say unity because that's bullshit, but you have to basically be willing to stick your nose out for your or your fellow people within the caucus because if not then you're going to be giving more um uh, leverage to the republicans and you don't want to do that because they're very dangerous no matter how um especially the more the liberal part no matter how much you don't like progressives you need to stick out your nose for them because that's where the party is heading that's where the, the you know the the uh, the biggest followed on social media that the, the uh, most popular candidates have tend to be those progressive ones. So um, it's just extremely frustrating with all of that. And Elon's right anyway, so it's all it's all cap. Yeah, I think you've got a really good point there. Where it's like it's not just the politics of the matter; it's the fact that like. I mean, yeah, the politics of it, like you were alluding to there, Sean, like really smartly, was just, it's stupid, right? We know that progressives, broadly speaking, are the future of the party. That's where things are going. Um, and we understand that they have a lot of power, not just on Twitter, which varies in like how much it matters in society, but in mm -hmm. like a political society more broadly, but like they have a lot of influence in that whenever they say anything, 
through whatever they do, a lot, a lot of times it ends up being like a bad PR kind of thing because the Republicans can take control over it. But the Republicans will lean on to it because they have nothing to talk about without um, an Ilhan Omar controversy or an AOC Abuelita Tesla story. Like um, <laughs> they truly have like they truly have nothing to talk about but Dr. Seuss and cancel culture. So they need mm -hmm. there, there's some strategy that can be done here where you can leverage the fact that the um, squad lives rent free in um, Fox News, Newsmax, all the right wing's brains, Daily Wire, all of them. And you can use that to your advantage to sort of control mm. the dialogue, similarly to a way that Donald Trump controlled the dialogue in a way that he like made liberals and progressives kind of rightly so upset with all the things he did. Now's our time to trigger the cons, right? But it goes to the larger point on messaging, which is that what the Democrats should be doing is using this time to recontextualize the Israel-Palestine situation as what I think the squad was doing and which is what um, I think we made more strides toward doing in this like latest um, unfortunate sort of like rise in violence that was happening in the region there where we're able to say, hey, look, no, this isn't just like this usual, we go into our usual silos with a situation. Yeah. I'm sure like a lot of people did, but a lot of people also saw the complete asymmetric levels of power imbalance here and the situation between Israel and Hamas and how Israel gets such preferential treatment um, from first world countries while um, not even Hamas, but like Palestine, the Palestinian people are kind of treated as political pawns, both by the Israelis and Hamas and like other Palestinian leadership there. So um, I know Biff Bam is here, Bam is like uh, a little bit under the weather here, but he has a lot to say about what that, um, effects that has there and what it would have in that region but and of course i can you almost hear bam saying right now like of course this would never happen but it would be really nice if the democratic party took this as an opportunity to reframe the dialogue and the discussion and say um we need to think more carefully about our role abroad we have thought and we've taught ourselves mm -hmm. through history that we kind of come in and save the day on these mm -hmm. different issues. But in reality, and actually in the history, um, America's kind of coming in, you know, after the cleanup crew has already been there to pretend to mop a little bit, like to like kind of, and that's the best case scenario where it looks like they're kind of cleaning up afterwards when their help is not needed. The worst case scenario is they make things much worse for their own like geopolitical meddling. And so, Ideally, the Democratic Party, and I think President Bernie Sanders would have moved us close to this, but I think the Democratic Party could come to terms with America's less than strong, um, like, nature and history abroad. Something that even Donald Trump talked about in the past, saying that uh, America's done some really bad things abroad. You should see what we've done. And there's no controversy exactly. about that from the right wing. Mm -hmm. right? There's no controversy about that at all. But Ilhan Omar does it very clearly. Let's be clear about this. Because she is a Muslim woman. <laughs> Ilhan Omar says the same thing and then it becomes an issue but it's also that same racism and I'll like stop right here it's also that same sort of like implicit racism and sexism within the Democratic Party itself that sees this not as a political opportunity to capitalize on but as an opportunity to make sure that they are still appeasing the implicit racism and sexism of their donors of their base of the people they actually feel accountable to yeah and 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 I mean it's that's going off the last point, which you made is excellent, is it's absolute racism. I mean, her adjacent congressional member, Betty McCollum, had her, in April introduced the historic legislation defending human rights of Palestinian children yeah. and families under Israeli Mil Military Occupation Act. So 
where where where, where was uh, everybody? Where was all these democratic uh, these snakes in a in a democratic party jumping at Fox and Friends attacking her? I didn't I didn't hear any Betty McCollum dissing online. But the minute Ilha uh, drops something, it's it becomes a big issue, right? They want to take her off the foreign the foreign affairs committee, all this, and there should be even further repercussions. I'm like, are you kidding me, dude? Are like, it's really funny. Like, there's so much movement and 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 push towards. Now we like, oh, here, we're the Democratic Party. We're going to be, we're not going to be like Trump. We're going to do things differently. But the big catalyst through that was the squad, right? The the squad was who the people in these different, all that were spread out throughout different parts of America had a big influence. And no matter what, took all the bullets for the Democratic Party. You know, they took on all the hate, all the stuff, because that's what the 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 Republican Party conservatives and, and Fox and stuff love to attack is any kind of point they make. But when when the going gets tough, instead of basically reciprocating the energy by having their back no matter what, they jump on the other side. It's it's so flimsy. You can see like the 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 transition is kind of happening where the people from the squad kind of represent the millennials and kind of the new the generation Z and stuff moving forward, those voting parties. And the Biden is kind of like that last figure holding down like that other side. So it's it's like the party wants to spend more energy splitting itself up and then losing when it comes to the next election rather than coming together and then building off of their differences. Like that's what you're supposed to do. But no, this is the kind of stuff that the Republican Party is going to prey on and it's going to split the Democratic Party and just creates creates enemies within, which is pointless at this point. So right. So, so right. Um, I... It would be so much smarter for the Democrats to realize, but of course the Democrats haven't done smart politics, at least in my lifetime. But like it would be so much smarter for the Democrats to say, let's back Ilhan Omar, let's make the Republicans fight a battle with us on like human rights abroad. And by the way, this, is, this can also be couched within the language of bringing troops back home, which is part of the Biden administration's supposed agenda already. You can say, hey, while our troops are there, unfortunately, Oh, 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 we tortured some folks, all right? Like, we did some bad shit. <laughs> we did some bad shit while we were abroad, all right? So, like, part of scaling down is, like, doing less of that bad stuff and holding ourselves accountable for what we did so that, by the way, we aren't leaving bad blood in the region so that in the next 5, 10, 20 years, we get, like, another 9-11 or even worse because, like, there are a lot of people there who... uh don't hate us for our freedom. They hate us because we occupied their region for several decades and kept cluster bombing their families. Yeah, dispose their government, did all these things. Yeah. Yeah. Usual. Yeah, Yeah, you know. And and, and like it's it speaks volumes to just the issue with the whole message, right? Instead of thinking about how we can come to a resolution, we go, you know what? You know what? She I don't know if I necessarily because think about it. If I was someone that was against her point. The smarter approach would be like, you know what? I don't know if I necessarily either agree or disagree with her, but I don't understand it. So maybe moving towards pulling out of that region and figuring things out before we go back in and cause more issues is kind of what to build on. Rather than taking a stance of, no, we're going to keep in there, stay in there, impacting regions, doing what we want to do and supporting a side, even though clearly, historically, either we've been on the wrong side or we just don't understand the sides at all and we're in there for personal gain. So it, it it's... What do you want to do here is is evident in what's her speaking and what other people are kind of who stand against her are saying. Yeah, I mean, like it's effective that the Democrats 
are fine losing. I mean, I mean, we're going to get more to this seg or like into this conjecture later on at this point. But the Democrats don't want to stand together and strong as a party. At least the leadership doesn't want to stand strong no. and together as a party because Absolutely that'd not. be a really easy thing to do right now. They could. There's a lot of different angles you could take that would be moral angles that your base would actually support you for right now. But instead, they're doing this usual, oh, well, politics as usual says we do this. And we've got to do the politics as usual because we're in a normal situation. Yeah. So it's, it's, I'm going to save my anger for later. Reagan? But, um, <laughs> Is that Reagan? No, it's like um, me about to have an end moment. But um, I think that the, the last... A point I'd like to get to before we get to an end moment with Ben Shapiro is mm. uh, I, I want to get to the point about history, right? Because <laughs> my favorite history, show. Uh, Ancient Aliens on the History Channel is my favorite show. I don't know about y'all, but I'm getting No, your favorite real... show is that guy with the hair on Ancient Aliens. <laughs> uh, Daddy loves him some smut. What can I say? So my favorite thing about this whole Ilhan Omar controversy, because it's actually been pretty terrible and... Um, it's worth mentioning that because of the Democrats not holding their own and because the Republicans leaning into a lot of this uh, flatly racist and sexist and Islamophobic rhetoric, uh, Ilhan Omar received a spike in the usual death threats she gets. And this is just a, I've spoken about this more darkly on the damage report, but like this is an inevitable disaster waiting to happen considering how antsy people are after COVID, how gun crazy this country already is, let alone how gun crazy it is now post COVID with lockdowns opening up. Yeah. And look what happened at the uh, insurrection attempt too. People are fucking crazy right now. Exactly. And so like, uh, giving they're trying to kill Mike Pence, dude. <laughs> they were yeah, ready like, and willing to, to to tie him up and burn him in the stake. They were ready to hang um, noted Islamophobe and Saul Alinsky-esque Mike Pence. All right, <laughs> right. Uh, noted. Um, <laughs> sorry, not Islamophobe. They're going to get rid of the. Um, I'm not going <laughs> to. There's a lot of um, things we can say right now. We, we don't have ban for one episode. Here we are ending the show quickly. They're, they're about to hang Ayatollah Mike Pence, all right? They have no chill for anyone else. Um, no, but like a, a major issue here is a divorcing of American society more broadly from history. And since I am in the business of mindlessly plugging appearances I've been on, I was on Left of the Box, which is a Canadian um, independent YouTuber show. Um, check that out definitely for sure. We were talking about um, the way governments use history as a form of propaganda. They teach people like a, and in, in Canada, um, Sandy, the host, was referring to it as maple washing. But um, I just call it whitewashing, any sort of like retelling of history that's made to look things look nicer than they really should. Um, it's what happens a lot in society and what's what governments, what power does more broadly to sort of introduce the populace to its first layer of ignorance, its first layer of sort of compliance so that you know this historical record or tale. So therefore, you don't like question it or anything like that. And you don't question any of the policies that happen that may contradict some of that history mm -hmm. or... Um, you know, with the history being told correctly, would maybe give you a different opinion of America. Nevertheless, um, I'm not even going to get into the whole drama regarding uh, the hills rising and the former hosts and who's there oh, and who's isn't, God. because that is that's, a, that's a three-hour conversation as is. That yeah. needs a special episode. 
Yeah, all you need to know is that uh, the Hill TV's Rising with Crystal and Sargar is no longer there. They're doing their own show on YouTube. I wish them the best personally. I have nothing necessarily against them except with my regular qualms with the show as it was. But the Hill TV is doing uh, either new hosts or some rotating guest hosts, that kind of deal. And they have uh, Ryan Grimm from The Intercept and someone from The Federalist who is not very smart. Or just you could throw a dart. Uh, anywhere at the at the global map and you can probably find you know at some point throughout the 20th century the u.s I intervening to undermine you know a, a some, some type of social democratic effort and backing the most vicious right uh, right-wing elements and the irony of them calling this anti-semitism when the u.s very consciously and explicitly out of world war ii allied itself with former nazis helped Nazis escape justice, you know, uh, was, was complicit in what was called the rat line, you know, the, the, with getting Nazis um, out, out of Germany and, and into these death squads that were run by the United States and, and deployed in an anti-communist fashion against the Soviet Union and against leftist elements in, in South America. But who so, ended the Holocaust? I mean, what country? The Soviet Union, actually. <laughs> okay, but I mean, the, the Soviet Union did that. No, the, I mean, we, the we, Soviet we walked Union... in after they after this after the Russians had suffered what twenty plus million uh, casualties and and marched into Germany. Sure, but if, without the United States' intervention, a heck of a lot more people would have died in that atrocity. For, yes, and I'm, I'm glad the Soviet Union and the United States allied to beat Nazi Germany, but. The Nazi Germany, the, the Nazis themselves then allied with the United States to go after the Soviet Union and to go after communist and social democratic elements in South America. And that's that, that's an actual part of the history. But, but again, there's lives being saved in that process, a lot of lives being saved in that process, and a lot of Americans putting their lives on the line and dying to save those lives. Sure. Many, many, many fewer than uh, Soviet lives died to, to take on the Nazis. Folks, thoughts? on this uh, moment in history. Let's go, I'm Should seven. I go down like a rabbit hole of like of World War II slash post-World War history real quick or what? Yeah, yeah. My God, she is stupid. Um, more or less when, so the Soviets after Stalingrad, when they basically stalled the German advance in the East, Eastern Front because the, the Nazis ran out of fuel, they didn't have enough, and because Hitler had a giant ego and decided to go for Stalingrad instead of just bum rushing straight to Moscow because he said, fuck Stalin. Basically, two million or so uh, Germans were killed in Stalingrad. I don't know how many Soviets were killed in Stalingrad, uh, uh, millions. They advanced and pushed on on the Eastern Front and just kept going further and further and further until they eventually reached Germany. They reached Berlin first. So a lot of the Germans and Nazis were trying to surrender to the US as much as they could because they realized that the Soviets were going to get to Germany first and they did. And especially they were going to get the capital first, which Soviets did. And so they tried to surrender as much as they could to the Western allies, to um, the US, UK, England, France, uh, uh, France, Canada, etc. Um, and those ones that surrendered and stuff, a lot of the um, top, a lot of the Nazis and stuff uh, were then gone over to the U.S. A lot of the scientists were gone over to the U.S. to work on the Manhattan Project and to work on rockets, so that way they could go and 
trying to beat the Soviets. So what she's saying is, who isn't this this great thing that the U.S. did to go in and help? Well, yes, of course, it's great that the U.S. went into World War II, obviously, but she never says anything about the atrocities that the U.S. did to bring all of these Nazi scientists and Nazis over to try and combat communism, which is atrocious. I mean, you have that throughout the entire history of the U.S. Look at Vietnam, for fuck's sake. You prop up a giant dictator. Uh, like authoritarian government in South Vietnam just to fight some North Vietnamese farmers and that South Vietnamese um, uh, government is killing its own people and letting and destroying all of this religious institutions and stuff because they're insane but you prop them up because anti-communism so all of these things all of these atrocities are not are, are not null and void just by coming into one good thing of coming in to defeat the Nazis. There's so many other things that the U.S. has done throughout its entire history to undermine governments and undermine um, leftists, leftists throughout basically the entire world because it suits their agenda. Look at Iran. Look at um, uh, look at ninety percent of South America, more or less. All of these things that they have done. It's not null and void just because we helped go and defeat the nazis and it wasn't just us the soviets did most of it honestly having no knowing people that actually were um german soldiers on the eastern front and what the stories i've heard like through my childhood and stuff it's pretty crazy stuff so um yeah she's an idiot like yeah i could go on a three-hour rant of that stuff but but the americans look here look here I don't know where you come off thinking that you can just take away null and void. That's an American right, all right? We <laughs> went in there, whooped ass, took names, and we did it. And we're going to do it again, and we're going to keep doing it in, because U.S. motherfucking A, baby. That's all I know, okay? Null and void. Whooped in there, whooped ass, stole some scientists, and had a good old goddamn time. And look where we're at now. Woo! Let's go, baby. We're going to Mars. I mean, yeah, it was literally a race to who had the better Nazi scientist was the space race. <laughs> the yeah, yeah. Well, like, we, they took a bunch of Nazi scientists too and said, we make better rockets. For yeah, the that's record, a whole different rabbit hole. Whole yeah, for, for the record, the United States cannot claim some sort of moral superiority over beating the Nazis because we hired the Nazis. <laughs> yeah. As much as Werner von Braun, von Braun is my guy, he also made the V2 that like fucked London all the time. So Okay, Sean well, exposed. Sean exposed. Well, anyway. How do, how do Americans like watch like 12 different Marvel and Disney movies, but they don't even pay attention <laughs> to the prequel for the Cold War? Like, <laughs> this you know is, this is canon you know right here. You know this is good shit. Next? They're going to cancel Captain America. Captain America, you're canceled. You know why? Because you didn't whoop their ass enough. Okay? <laughs> I, I, I just love um, Chris Smith, Caesar's American alter ego over here. <laughs> <laughs> just going here, in. Look, I don't know if you guys know this, but when you go and get your citizenship test, they give you an alter ego. And Sounds that's like the vaccine they- to me. I'm just showing the love for America that I'm supposed to, according to Fox and Friends. I'm supposed to be super hardcore. Here you go, baby. We did it. USA. I don't want to hear none of that talk Bill Gates was saying. We went in there, whooped ass, took a little couple soldiers for fun and some some scientists, and we came back and we made America great, baby. That's what we did. 
No, obviously, what she said is blatantly stupid. I wasn't even <laughs> born in this country, and I know that shit. Are you kidding me right now? Like, uh, it's just like it. It's it. Even even if you've went into countries like South America, like he specifically stated, other regions, and you've done some sort of good, that doesn't mean any atrocity you you've committed in the process are forgiven. You know, uh, it's like it's almost like the the Middle East stuff, right? Yeah. It's we're, in order to like you can't support a side in, in terms of like America, like people supporting Israel, right? Or people so su America supporting Israel. Oh, well, you know, that'd be anti Semitic not to. No, it doesn't work like that. Both sides are one side is committing vastly more atrocities to the other. Picking a side is not how it works. Going in there and, and inserting yourself is not how it works. And then, especially the one where you pick is World War II when you went in there and got real fucking reckless. You got real fucking reckless in there. <laughs> The other thing, too, like, uh, where she said, but who ended the Holocaust? The, oh first the, first, the first concentration camps that were liberated were by the Soviets. There is, when, during, like, the history of World War II, they came in that, through that the means, eastern, yeah, the eastern part of Germany, oh. and mainly Poland. It was actually Poland that was first discovered, because that's where a lot of the um, Jewish ghettos and stuff were made were in Poland. So, so the Soviets came in and were reporting all of these concentration camps and all these other stuff to the U.S. and saying... Or to the, the Western allies and saying, um, we found these things. And a lot of people actually, a lot of U.S. soldiers are, thought that, no, that's, they're over-exaggerating it. The Russians, they didn't find that stuff, whatever, until eventually when the U.S. started to come over and get into Germany and parts that when they discovered their, like, um, what camps that they liberated, did they only understand, oh, my God, the Soviets were right. What the hell is going on? So it's, she's stupid. Yeah, I mean, I mean, thanks a lot, Sean, for exposing this. Is now we're going to be called the Kami Podcast because of Sean. But I mean, at the same time, he's right, though. I mean, historically, she, she, <laughs> she, yeah, she's dropping her Not proud, deep but... YouTube takes. But at the end of the day, like you're literally speaking to basically this dude's like literally just dropping historical facts and yeah. he states in his sentence. I'm not saying this, this is historical. And she wants exactly. to come back with a no source answer. <laughs> yeah, but you know, we ended a Holocaust. Like, uh, right. All right, Listen, <laughs> there are a lot of media figures that I like um, trash, especially from this like era of like blogosphere leftist journalism. But I, I will give Ryan Grimm some props just for being mm -hmm. like, you know, I've been in the media space and it's like off camera. He's just like a very genuine person. You don't get enough of these people in like leftist independent media. But also just like that is just like state like patience. Like I, I would have gone so far in on that interview. The fact that uh, Ryan Graham yeah. was politely just like Minnesota nice. Mm, actually, that would be nice, but you know, <laughs> hey, we could actually there, do it right? the other way. Like it was a real nice. thing. Mm, well, you know, I mean, yeah. that, that, that that's a good point, but it is yeah. actually that like that's and that's in that, class that I would yeah. not be able to do. Go ahead, Sean. And another and one one last thing is when um when uh, Hitler was putting the program of literally get rid of as many Jewish people as possible, trying to like give them out to different countries. The U.S. only accepted like 15,000 people and said we can't carry more than 15,000 Jews. So the U.S. is not innocent at all in this either. So, and that's another thing too. And countries all over the world did this too. They were like, no, we can't accept this many people. We can't accept this many people. And that's when Hitler said, all right, kill them all and went mental. So. Yeah, no. yeah. Everyone knows Lady Liberty has a quota. Yeah. <laughs> Recently, ProPublica, which um, just does great work all around, got their hands on 
tax forms a lot of really comprehensive tax paperwork on some of the richest people in America and found some shocking slash not so shocking results on how little some of the richest Americans are paying in taxes. Um, this is part of a multi-part series that ProPublica is doing, and ProPublica is a um, non-profit organization. They do a lot of investigative journalism work, and um, it's really like one of the higher tier levels of like reports I trust. They do a lot of things on the economy, and they make the economy feel like you know a lot more like real and. Um, they hit on the topics that matter, whereas sometimes you watch economic news and it just feels like, oh, there's some numbers flying around the screen. It doesn't really make much sense. But no, they're talking about um, wages, how much you're making, how much your boss is making, how much your boss is paying in taxes, and how much you're paying in taxes. Um, it goes into a lot of that. But um, I know, Sean, you were looking at some of this early on in the like mm. some of the research of this. And what are some of the like numbers and things that jump out to you? Like, What are some of the key findings from this ProPublica report? So more or less, like the top 25 um, wealthiest people in America, all white males, by the way, um, uh, basically they have like an accumulative true tax tax rate of like 3.5 percent. I'll give white you some white boy summer. What? <laughs> white, white boy, boy summer, summer, baby. That's what they mean by white boy summer. So like Warren Buffett, true tax rate of 0.1 percent. Jeff Bezos, the, the Bezomeister, recently divorced Bezos, 0.98% true tax rate. Michael Bloomberg. Cha I, call, I call Jeff Bezos the challenger millionaire. Mm. The challenger I like it. Um, but, Michael Bloomberg, failed running uh, presidential candidate Michael Bloomberg, 1.3%. And crazed Dogecoin master himself, Elon Musk, 3.2%. Um, yeah. Because, well, he's paying his fair share in that chart. <laughs> right. Well, you didn't. Uh, he gets government tax breaks. Come on, man, be nice. <laughs> I forgot about the tax breaks. Well, um, like the biggest thing was that the people weren't. They are. They aren't reporting their total, their actual wealth growth or their total income reported. They're reporting just a fraction of their uh, income. So it's like the wealth growth of Jeff Bezos was ninety nine point oh eight billion dollars. Billion. Wealth growth, and ninety nine period, just ninety nine billion. Yeah. Oh yeah, and he <laughs> in, the total income reported was four point two billion. So he basically reported like what four percent, a little over four percent of what he actually um, made. So he only paid nine nine uh, hundred seventy three million dollars in taxes when he should be paying a lot more. So he's only paying you know basically a percent of tax when most Americans are paying what. 13 14 percent all of us are doing about 14 percent yeah yeah like minimum 14 percent a lot of folks like mm -hmm. are paying 20 percent i mean like if you're doing super well off and you're paying a lot of your taxes like 30 40 percent of your yeah, taxes okay. it's like to be clear mm -hmm. jeff bezos reported the income not just wealth growth because wealth growth gets into some like funky math that i'll make sense yeah. later but income reported was 4.22 billion dollars jeff bezos still got a child tax credit of four thousand dollars from the government so now the government's paying the government's giving jeff bezos money in society so like i'm waiting for the fox news segments on how our tax system which was recently overhauled by um <laughs> casino genius donald trump is allowing this to happen because this isn't one of the better quotes i've heard in just the finance world easily is this it's illegal to evade taxes and not to avoid taxes. 
which is to say all the stuff that's happening here is completely legal, is allowable. In fact, they'd be stupid to not do this, but our tax system oh, yeah. allows this. So I'm waiting for the Fox News segments to talk about, wait, why are the Republicans who we've like trusted, we've put in their hands the tax code, we're like, they're the fiscally conservative ones, they'll get it done. Why are they making the rich people richer? Oh, wait, Fox News loves when the rich people get richer, and then they love stoking fear in the poor working class people that it's the brown people, it's the Hispanics, it's the Latinos, it's the blacks, the indigenous folks, it's the Asians who are actually your problem. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we, 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 we already know about how in America, a, a land that promotes entrepreneurship, we know how horrifying taxes are for people that are self-employed individuals. We know about the tax situation with Uber drivers and, 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 and DoorDash and people that do those kind of, uh, do those kind of self-employed. The percentages are crazy what they have to pay on. Um, and they're basically getting $7 an hour roughly, you know, on average. So think about that. And then thinking about Jeff Bezos, who, what, 162 billion or something like that. Uh, I don't even know. Does it still count uh, now he's divorced? I don't know how that really works. What they're giving his, his, they're boosting his numbers or something. But he, I have reason to believe ProPublica's numbers are pretty accurate. Like there's okay. as accurate as you can get from these findings. Just to clarify. Okay, cool, cool. No, yeah, from south, yeah. Uh, don't attack me. But um, <laughs> now like uh, it's just it's funny because that was the big thing talk talking point about like when COVID hit. All I could think about was like, man, like Amazon's about to make a killing. <laughs> like the everything shut down. Who's gonna profit? Like Amazon, right? Like the, the drivers. Text. They were they had so much going on. They had to go rent vans because they couldn't keep up with package demands. They couldn't keep up with demand. So he got exponentially richer. And that process where he got exponentially richer, he literally just ba- barely paid anything. They they honestly should be lucky. We're even questioning their taxes when we should be attacking their capital gains. That's what we should be getting on their asses yeah. about. They're really lucky that it's taxes. But the fact that that that's how the rich mindset is, it's like, I don't even want to give you an inch. It's like Brazil, right? Like when Lula was president of Brazil, it wasn't necessarily the problem that the 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 rich weren't making as much or that the middle. It was the problem that the middle class was making too much for them. It was making them uncomfortable. They would rather even sacrifice or or move a percentage just so that 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 bracket can get affected more than they can. And we're talking about the big times. We see the, these lame videos they're posting online where they're like, oh, did you know that uh, uh, they only amount to 2.25%? Like all these lame-ass street-walking mic people giving fake tax information out, asking people on the street questions if we know the tax breakdown in America. It, it's unfair. It's it's a complicated system. And, they're, and, and the number one tax screaming people of all time in terms of holding people accountable is is the Republican Party. But when it's the own people that support the the own rich people avoiding the taxes, right? Legally, but finessing the system, they never get called out on it. And it's 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 ridiculous to me. It's unfair. Like this is a stance where you could literally be like, oh come on, that's ridiculous. And they don't they don't think that at all. They think it's fine that Jeff Bezos gets a fucking four thousand dollar child tax. Like what? Are you kidding me? Yeah, they keep making uh, this. I mean, there's so many points I can with so, so many different tangents you can go off of this. One point is people saying, What, $973 million is enough? I'm like, No, because we're playing, I mean, ordinary Americans are paying more in their own income than he is. And yeah, these, can I just really and fast make a point on the math thing? Because it, it's yeah. the most common argument that I'm hearing that people are saying, like, Oh, wait, but obviously these people are paying, they they're make more money. So they're 8% or 
assuming they're paying 8%, which they're not, is bigger than your 8%, so that's just fine. But no, as the like Sean is about to point he's about to make, it is they sh there's no way kind of like the Warren Buffett example that Warren Buffett's secretary or like um administrative assistant should be making should be paying more of a percentage of her income in taxes or his income in taxes than Warren Buffett the multi-billionaire should be sorry go ahead yeah exactly and like these the thing is is all of the I'll just go on like tangents of different Republican and conservative talking points or libertarian talking points, whatever, where they always say, oh, how do you pay for this? How do you pay for that? I'm like, well, how do you have a system that is rewarding people for gaming a system of taxes when you want to pay for endless wars, you want to pay for different things? It's not sustainable. How are you in support of an unsustainable system that constantly collapses and everything because all these people are hoarding money. They're trying to do different things within the stock market, boost their stock prices. That's how Elon got absurdly rich during the pandemic was because of all these things of Tesla stock options that he illegally did and the SEC should be raiding his ass. But um, all these things that um, the, the good, the great journalism and stuff, the great work of people finding out the things from the IRS, which another people are saying, but it's, you shouldn't like leak these things. You shouldn't do these things. I go, no, these are things that need to be out to the American public because people need to know what is going on in this country. They need to know what, how unfair the system is and how fucked everybody is getting. So that way we can have some genuine change along here or else it's going to be unsustainable system and you're going to have an actual revolt in the next 10, 15 years, because people are gonna be so impoverished, um, especially now because of everything reopening and whatnot, not having a really a, a good contingency plan. Um, different things are just skyrocketing in prices when wages are extremely stagnant or lowering even. So you have all of these low paying jobs and everything while all of these other people are making absurd money. And because they're able to hire these lawyers or hire these other things and hide money in offshore accounts and all that, they're able to gain so much more than normal people can. So when then they're barely gonna be able to put food on the table, that's not a sustainable system. People are going to revolt at some point. With yeah, on that. I wanna explain the mechanism because once it made sense to me what they were doing through this ProPublica article, and they're going to be doing more um, reporting in the coming months that I plan on talking about, um, if not on PowerPoint and other places, at least on Twitter, for sure. Um, the remaining reporting that they've got from these revelations but the main way of how they skirt all these taxes works like this and it's like so simple it's infuriating but <laughs> the way we have taxes you and i is that we take in our income whether it's from our w-2s like our salary mm -hmm. job or like our job where we get, get that income or whether it's like contract job like gig work 1099 that kind of thing we put on all that work into TurboTax, which is, by the way, robbing you because doing your taxes should be free or like $10. Yes. Um, we do all that stuff from there and we pay about, you know, depending on how much money we make or don't make, like 8 to 38, 39 percentage of our income, right? Um, so that's just the way it works for us regular people. When we want to borrow money, for example, we have to prove that our income or our assets may be like, if you're lucky enough, definitely none of us our age, but if you are in a family where you have a house or something, you use that asset as collateral when you're taking out money as a, um, when you're taking out like debt, right? Now, if you're a billionaire, 
You're one of the richest people in the world, and any Google search will tell any banker that. You have um, wealth and assets that accumulate to a large amount of money, and even though you have income, the amount of income that you report may be some ceremonial figure, like it was a popular thing in Silicon Valley to do the $1 a um, year CEO pay. But yeah. You shouldn't think of a CEO as getting a paycheck. You should think of a CEO and any person really as getting a compensation package. It's not just the income you make. It's what benefits do you have or not have? Do you get dental? Do you get health care? Do you get all those things? For CEOs, especially for CEOs of large public companies, it's stock options. So maybe you get that $1 in income on your W-2, and that's all like cute and nice and symbolic. But you have a huge amount of shares in your multi-billion trillion dollar company if you're Amazon, right? So if those shares increase in value, which they are over time, that's just what the stock market's doing, then your wealth increases in value. Going back to debt, how do you take out loans? You say, you basically go to the bank and say, I'm Jeff Bezos, bitch. I'm Elon Musk, bitch. And you like, they take out money and they bet they take they take out debt using their financial assets as collateral even though they haven't shown you that cash they're like i'm the ceo i have this much stock in these things so give me several billion dollars so i can build a house or um go to space yeah. or any one of these other things um will they pay it back sure all they have to do is like sell back a little bit of their debt because they're ultra wealthy but when you take out a loan that's not income. That's you taking out a loan. Our tax code doesn't treat that as income. Mm -hmm. So even though they're using loans as their income, that's actually a tax trick so that they don't have to report that. So none of that money is taxed on. That's yeah. the difference between income and wealth that is really important that people need to realize is that income is the game us proletariat, us working class, middle class people even play. Even if you have some cryptocurrency or stocks or whatever, that's not where you're making most of your actual wealth. Um, those are capital gains. And by the way, capital gains, uh, money you make from the stock market or money you make from cryptocurrencies or anything like that, is taxed at a different rate than your income. Yes. So it, it really, what this ProPublica story does is it explains that and more than just the fact that like TurboTax is a scam for us like regular folks, like our entire tax system is a scam, but it's not a scam as it like, oh, it's broken and there's been some politicians who haven't paid a lot of attention to it. No, these are politicians who pay very close attention, who run on lowering taxes and then they go in and they design the tax code and lower it for the richest people in the country. And now we have a homelessness crisis. And now we have people who are like struggling to like getting to work and all these other issues in our economy. We have roads that can't be fixed or taking too long to be fixed. Shout out Orange County at the 405. You don't have healthcare. Right? You don't have, we don't have, there's so many things. There's so many things that aren't going on. And now we're hoping NASA, all right? NASA barely has the ability to go to space on its own. That's why it's contracting out to yes. Jeff Bezos through Blue Origin and Elon Musk through SpaceX to Boeing or any of these other companies to or do that Or they're using thing. Russian rockets. A lot of the yeah. times to launch American astronauts are using Russian rockets because we don't have the means to do it here. Yeah, because we're not taxing, we're not taking that money from um, the millionaires and billionaires like we historically have in this country to do things as a government mm -hmm. and to have that accountability on the people because the people control the government in a way. It's these billionaires who we just trust to do whatever they want to, who are cheating the tax system while you pay more of your share in taxes than they do. It's ludicrous. Yeah, the whole trickle down theory has obviously not worked and never has. I mean, look at look at the golden age of America, right? Um, the fifties, like economic golden age. 
what was the the highest tax rate was what like 50 60 percent or something absurd like that under eisenhower so the yeah, wealthiest tax people rate were, was at some point in america i believe near 80 or 90 percent. yeah it might have even been yeah um, and, 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 to, and to be clear, because I think a lot of people hear that math and they jump. That doesn't mean like you make a billion dollars, so you're taxed 90% on that. No, it's more like for every dollar you make over $500 million, yes. you're chill with that $500 million below. And it's anything, it's anything above, anything above that. Like it's yeah, 90%. Because exactly. at a certain point, there's a diminishing returns. Like every additional dollar when you're a millionaire does less for you. That's why you see rappers just like making it rain because it really doesn't matter to them. Exactly. Mm -hmm. There's only so much wealth you can have before it's literally, it doesn't do anything for an individual person. But anyways, because that, when you had that tax code and stuff early in America, that's how you had so many um, systems in place to help American people. That's why you had public and tuition-free universities uh, um, uh, during that time, you had the giant infrastructure programs of making the the uh, highway systems. The highway systems were made in the 50s off of taxpayer money. You had NASA start, the space program started up with all of that money as well. So you have all of these things that we don't really have today and everything's crumbling because like these freeways and these systems that were made in the 50s and 60s are haven't really been touched on over that because that's the start of about in the 70s or so is when the start of neoliberalism happened and starting to move into privatization of everything. And that's when wages started to get stagnated. And then you have all of these things that just the wheel kept turning and turning and turning. You have all of these venture capitalists and Wall Street making an absurd amount of money and hoarding it all. And the, the normal people are not making any barely a dent compared to those people. And now you have a perfect storm to where you're set up today where Medical bankruptcies is what the number one bankruptcy thing in America, I believe, and that's one of them. There, there, there's some it, like absurd information about it, but a lot of people do. Yeah, that's absurd. That's disgraceful for it's supposedly the best country on earth when you can't even fucking help your own person because too many people are greedy in this country. The the here's a funny story for my dad. Maybe I don't know when this is 10, 13 years ago or so. At his work, I don't know if it was. Um, like one of the heads at the company, he, uh, previous company he worked at, they saw all of these nice cars outside and the person or whatever go, uh, said to dad, wow, so many people have nice cars. People shouldn't have some, not, I mean, these, these amount of people shouldn't have these nice cars. That's what they're trying to say. It's like, wow, you're so greedy. You're so shitty of a human that you don't want to see other people succeed. How... So like absurd is that how fucked up is that 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 isn't great in our society to just you know a doggy dog world to be, be your best person is to be as wealthy as you can like it's just a horrible system and it's not sustainable it's not sustainable he sounds brazilian um it, it's crazy because it's like <laughs> yeah. the 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 greed it takes to reach that million to to hold a billion dollars is like sickening i mean we've all seen the classic uh number breakdown of if you have 100 million and you put it on a spreadsheet and you delete 100 million and stuff like that you can see how much zeros are attached to it because we don't really we don't really visually see how much or conceptualize a billion dollars and to imagine someone having 152 or 260 and these crazy numbers it's 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 insane that you know basically the rich kind of got to take the system back over and leech out of it even more you know we 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 complain we talk we we barely 
we, we talk about like, oh, well, America is cutting back on this, cutting back on this, cutting back on this. Remember when we had that early Trump era where there were just all these rollouts were going on, where all these programs mm-hmm. were getting cut, public school music systems, anything related to like sociological classes or classes that are just involved other other parts of the brain other than your fundamental core four, right, uh, categories, mm-hmm. which is in, uh, English, math, science. All those other things were getting cut because we just were suffering so much. Were the billionaires getting suffering? No. Were, were the rich of the richest losing? No. I remember a long time ago, me and Bam were were, were having this debate and uh, years ago. We were talking about, like, how many millionaires do you think are, like, in, like, a state or something like that? And I remember we had, were like, oh, there's probably, like, I mean, this sounds dumb now because we looked up the numbers later. But I remember thinking, like, there's probably, like, no more than, like, 150 millionaires and like uh, a millionaire is a lot right a lot, when you look at how man. many people are millionaires it's mind-blowing thousands like thousands and thousands and thousands it's it's more there's more millionaires in this country than a lot of populations in the fucking world okay so explain to me why we have debt issues explain to me why there's cuts explain to me why there's why 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 is that of course a lot of it is our dumb military spending, but a lot of it could be even you know what? That's the pitch that we should do. Oh, you want to build more stuff? You wanna you wanna go into more wars? You gotta start taxing your buddy Elon. Cause I can't afford this. I can't afford this. Elon's making the same car over and over with all this extra money. <laughs> he spent what was it? Uh I think he spent what seven billion dollars building some hyper tunnel that went four blocks. It went four blocks, Chief. Oh, man, he's going to build this mega tunnel. He went from, like, Almeda to fucking Inglewood Avenue, okay? Like, uh, all Even this. Even Metro does better than subway. that. We I'm already have subway. I'm taking the yellow line all day over that bum line. Are you kidding me? It went Crenshaw line, yay, yay. NBC guy went it. They took NBC down there, and the person's like, whoa, this is so cool. You went I four blocks, Chief. Subway, I can dude. walk that. Like, it's not that serious. So, all this stuff is happening, and the trickle-down effect, like you, Sean, said, is garbage. Whenever they say, oh, well, the billionaires are creating jobs, where? Where? Are they creating jobs to where people are trying to, we're trying to, this year, very recently, trying to unionize and get proper rights and benefits for, such as Amazon? Are they creating jobs that are that are at the appropriate pay scale that they shouldn't have issues for, like people are suffering through McDonald's and trying to get proper pay? Explain to me, explain to me where these are. If there's so many jobs, why is why are people even making so little they're not even willing to go in Uber? L- try to get an Uber right now. Let me know how that works for you. <laughs> people are desperate. They're frustrated. They're over it. And these billionaires are just reaping. And like Sean said, they would rather keep taking more money and living better at the expense of you suffering. That doesn't matter to them. They don't care. They, they, they don't want us to have this car. They want us to all drive 2003 still. That'd be great for them. They want us to all buy used cars, and these new cars just don't even make money for them. They just rather us not enjoy anything in life. That's, that's the sick greed mindset that a lot of these people have. So get all that Warren Buffett wants to be taxed more garbage out of here. No, he doesn't. He wants to keep playing you. That's what he wants to do. Meanwhile, on democracy, uh, <laughs> unfortunately, again, like this is, I, I hate this because this is like the power report broken record with me, especially. Um, my prediction 
from at least as early as the Democratic National Convention in August before Joe Biden even got elected, wherein that the Democrats, if getting elected and having at least a semblance of power, would run up against the filibuster and then use every excuse possible to use the filibuster as a reason why they don't want to do anything because ultimately Democrats don't want to bug the status quo. Um, that was my prediction. I got a lot of heat for it. I said, Dan, just gotta wait. Like maybe the Democrats will do something different. Maybe Joe Biden's learned something different. And you know what? Even Joe Biden and Chuck Schumer said themselves that this has got to be different from the Obama administration. We actually have to show that we can get things done because we have Donald Trump in the corner over there and there's a potential disaster waiting in the wings if we don't actually show the American people that Democrats or the government can do anything. Because then we're going to get wiped out in the midterms and we're going to get something Trump-like or worse in 2024 and then the country's over. That was the kind of urgency that Joe Biden and Chuck Schumer and other people in the Democratic Party leadership were speaking to when it went to um, many of the Democratic Party's main legislative agendas. That involves uh, voting rights reform to fight against a lot of the restrictive voting measures that have happened in largely Republican-led states to prevent people from being able to uh, exercise their constitutionally protected right to vote in an election. Uh, there's the George Vo Floyd police reform bill, um, which would aim to address basically the largest social movement that has happened um, in the United States in several years around the Black Lives Matter protests last year with George Floyd. Um, any number of measures that there's an infrastructure package that Democrats would like to do really nicely that would also involve really nice climate protections that uh, Joe Biden and other Democrats ran on as making a big deal because the Republicans are, really don't care about climate change. But I'm having all of this set up, all these expectations to say that here we are where the, mubber, where the rubber has met the road and Joe Manchin with his bipartisan theater is leading the game. Uh, Joe Manchin has, is dancing on the grave of any of the Democrats' legislative priorities here. He released an op-ed in a West Virginia newspaper saying that he's not going to do anything to kill the filibuster. This is even after Hans earlier this year of being willing to make changes to it. But the filibuster is an anti-democratic measure because it means in the Senate, a Senate, a body of government where the state of Wyoming can have more representatives than my city and a part of Los Angeles County, which has more people population-wise than the entire state of Wyoming. Never mind that that's already undemocratic enough, the existence of the Senate. Never mind the Founding Fathers existed the Senate to not be people who are voted in, but essentially to be a house of lords who are elected by people who are smarter than the public, and that had to be changed in the Constitution. Never mind that being anti-democratic, but the idea that you can have votes come across in the Senate and you have more than 51 or more people voting for that measure and you can still block it at any time is anti-democratic. And that is something that Joe Manchin, Joe Manchin being on the losing side of that calculus, because anything on his part that he supposedly wants to believe in, because he supposedly coxes with the Democrats, anything that his party does is going to be killed by the filibuster. And rather than acting on the offense, rather than actually understanding the stakes of what's happening here, that his ability to be in power could supersede his own ego if he doesn't act quickly on voting rights reforms especially. Joe Manchin's considering continuing to say that if we do just a little bit more bipartisanship here and getting along there, we'll actually start to make a movement. And because of this, the Democratic Party can't do anything right now. And it's unlikely they're going to be able to do anything unless 
a couple of things go Joe Biden's way. I don't trust Joe Biden's strategies, but like, what do you think about this so far? The state of the Democratic Party completely fumbling their narrowly gotten victory built on a house of lies. It really sucks because it's like the Democrats have like another version of Mitch McConnell inside their own party now, which Joe Manchin, it's it's insane. That's so Uh, good. That's such a good way of putting it, man. (laughs) We have our own Mitch McConnell. We're so blessed. Um, and Hashtag it really blessed. sucks because this time slot we have is really small, right? The GOP, this 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 little slot we have is is, is limited in which we can get so many bills and reforms passed. But with one one animal, we one animal we get out of the way, another one pops up, and that's Joe Manchin. It's really frustrating. So it's like he he knows that he he holds so much power just basically being opposed to these to the filibuster and these rules because all he has to do is basically just wait it out and then when it the and then eventually which sadly might happen to GOP's things switch again we're just back to the same roadblock as we are before and like Dan said I I, I don't trust everything going on Joe's desk and going the way that he promised in his campaign i.e loans um so you you know what's going on here. You know what's going down, and it's really frustrating that someone can can state that oh this uh you know this district member from uh, uh a part of, of Rhode Island has as much power <laughs> as people who have more seats from from cities like Austin or Los Angeles. It's just it's crazy to me how the system's working, and we need to make some clear change because it's really just unfair. It's really 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 unfair. Direct democracy, baby. <laughs> yeah, that's right. why I always. That's why I always say Switzerland is the only fucking democracy on the planet. Christ <laughs> alive! Like, it's brutal. It's why I hate representative democracies. I, I just don't agree with the system because you can't elect people to then have your best interests in heart when then they're tied in with other interests of fossil fuel companies or this or that. So they're tied into the interests so they don't represent the people that voted them in there. In the first place, most people don't know that because a lot of people here don't like to pay uh, attention to politics or vote in general. But the filibuster is one of the worst things too because it's just, it's unbelievably undemocratic that you could just eat, eat something out of existence just because you can when the majority of the senators and stuff you have over half the people vote for something, but you can't, you have to have more to pass the filibuster, which is just, it's absurd. It's, what's the percentage? It's kind of, it's kind of productive. What? What's the percentage to pass a filibuster? You need 60 votes 60 in order to. Votes. Yeah. <laughs> which is so, absurd, again, which is absurd. You're not going to get anything done. The people who argue about like the strict constitutionalists out there um, have nothing to say about the filibuster because, as I said, the Constitution intended, the way the Founding Fathers intended, for was for the regular people, the voting people, to not touch the Senate. The Senate was too good of a body for the, the wild, unpredictable voting populace to, pop, pop, to possibly touch. Which is sort of why, like in England, you have the House of Commons and you have the House of Lords. The House of Lords is essentially um, a higher body, almost like their Senate in the Parliament, which um, has a little more power but is unelected. All right, so it's very entrenched in like <laughs> essentially just like power and wealth, and it's kind of a sick system. Um, yeah. <laughs> but it wasn't until like uh, subsequent amendments to the U.S. Constitution where the Senate became at least, you know people could vote on it. And by people, I meant, you know, the only people who were considered people at the time in America, which is white landowners, 
So if you were a white man and you didn't own land because you were poor, you didn't even equate in the situation. <clears throat> so um, that's where you are in the class war right there. But like when I get to the idea of Joe Biden, because the, the strategy now from the Democrats, the honest strategy is to say, look, we are going to basically run out the shot clock, if you will. We're going to put every single bill across that we want. It's a Democratic Party legislative agenda. And um, Republicans are going to vote it down because that's the thing they do. But the Democrats are hopefully going to be able to say, look, we want to do X, Y, and Z. The Republicans are now on record for voting against these things. Can we now convince people to care about it? And again, I don't think that's the way to do it. The Republican Party doesn't care about policy. They, they, they've so far gone off of policy. They went to Donald Trump, who was a figure, who was really agnostic to policy. He just wanted to read the room and go wherever the angry mob went, right? So you can't appeal to people who are on the fence with policy. You have to kind of go for the jugular where it hurts. And um, you have to kind of hack into their media ecosystem and as the Democratic Party uses their advantage. The thing here is that both the Democrats and Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema both believe in this orthodoxy of bipartisanship. The idea that the only clean, holy, pure heaven water way to get anything done in this country is by getting both sides to compromise. Because you know, um, Abraham Lincoln and Ulysses S. Grant really agreed on the whole reconstruction and slavery issue, right? Like, um, yeah, that's, civil, that's nope. right? Like, uh, <laughs> civil rights, like John F. Kennedy really loved and uh, Lyndon B. Johnson really, really loved the Civil Rights Act and getting to do it the exact way that they did that. Of course, that's not true. It's that they did that with a lot of pressure and a lot of people who ultimately voted for it or ultimately didn't vote for it didn't want that act to pass. It wasn't until, again, like a lot of pressure and a lot of people saying, I understand this isn't popular with everyone. It's narrowly going to pass, but it's very important because it's people's rights and lives on the line in this country. Um, what is a country if we can't protect its citizens? And so it passed. And so this idea that Kristen Sinema and Joe Manchin both subscribe to, that then Joe Biden also builds upon, that you need both sides to compromise and work together 50-50 split is not based in logic. It's not based in reality. It's only based in a religion of propaganda that Americans have been taught in this bipart in this um, two-party duopoly that the Democrats and the Republicans must agree on something for it to happen. Because otherwise, if you get someone from the populist right, like Donald Trump, I mean, in this case, the Republican Party has no soul and they'll accept that. But if you get someone from the populist left, like Bernie Sanders or an Ilhan Omar and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, they don't have the blessing of the, bipart the bipartisan monopoly, duopoly system right there. So they can't get anything done. You have to go through those two parties. This is a false belief that is only continued to perpetuate because the people who believe in it are also the ones in power. And they don't want to lose their power by letting us working class people, us people of color, actually make a difference in that. So um, Joe Manchin's a goddamn racist. He's a piece of shit. And uh, her, him and Kristen Cinema and all of her bullshit bisexual, like, fancy dress things can go burn in hell with um, all the rest of us and the rest of America and what's about to happen. Um, like, seriously, I, I, I don't 
get what the fuck is their deal other than the fact that they're egotistical dumbasses. All they want to do is be center of attention as opposed to get anything legislatively done, which is why, sure, let's have this like bullshit votorama where Kristen Cinema and Joe Manchin have the chance to say, oh, I support a $15 minimum wage, but not in the way that would actually get people to do that. And Jesus sure, Christ. do that, but like, if the Democratic Party's actually about what they're actually about, which given the Ilhan Elmar situation, they're clearly not, I want Kristen Cinema and Joe Manchin to get run out of their districts. I want like Bernie Sanders and Kamala Harris to be in their districts campaigning against them to actually put pressure in the party. Oh no, but then Kristen Cinema and Joe Manchin will leave and become Republicans. Again, Democrats. Who gives a fuck? This is your situation right now. They're already acting as Republicans because they're acting as obstructionists. Obstructionism is a Republican exactly. ideology. Are, so what the fuck Repu- is the point? I'd rather see them across party lines. Yeah, I'd rather see them be across party lines than be a snake within. Let him team. He can go over there and they can go over there. And honestly, that's actually less of an effect against the party because him losing this spot and being our Mitch McConnell gives way for someone else to fill in that spot and not be obstructive to the party itself. Like, what, what, what are, are, you, are people like dense? I don't understand. How could you even want to keep this? Why would you want to keep someone around as opposed to your views that's using the filibuster to shut down all the bills? I, I, what, what are you talking about? We have the house. There's a GOP here at the house and nothing's getting done because people within are shutting it down. You give these people out of their seats. That doesn't happen anymore or it increases the chance for it not to happen because it's a possibility someone else gets there. Stupid! It's, it, get them out of here, please. Again, it's it's in my earlier point that Republicans don't do this. They unite together under one thing, no matter what, no matter how racist, no matter how insane it is. They eventually all fall in line together and come to the same abrupt thing. I mean, look at COVID, for example. They all came, more or less, all came to the same conclusion. Like, okay, we gotta say it's a hoax. We gotta do all these things. We gotta try and open up, mm-hmm. even though you're not ready to open up all these things because it's what Republicans do. They always unite, unite, and how terrible of a thing it is but democrats keep bickering they keep going up because you have this old guard that is absurdly stuck in west wing where they're just like think that everything is fine and dandy and uh, martin sheen's gonna come by and be president and to hold hands and sing kumbia on some bullshit but that's not gonna do anything you're just gonna keep fucking over people for eternity as long as they're in there and there should also be term limits for these fuckers for some of the people that have been in here for so goddamn long my entire life that you shouldn't be there anymore so stop letting old idiots rule like lead us into you know, uh, a path of destruction, more or less, a path of this country becoming shitty compared to the rest of the world that is now going to, or has been surpassing us in so many other things. So, like, like, yeah, it's frustrating as hell. Our political system, like just in California, the fact that Dianne Feinstein. How is she still here? God. How, how the only reason She's she a is dinosaur. still elected is because she fundamentally does not have to. Campaign. She doesn't feel she that she has to. Do. Yeah, she doesn't feel like to campaign. You're absolutely right. She doesn't feel like she has to campaign. She doesn't feel like she has to run for anyone who, like, are, is hurting the most because the system has so demoralized people who are most affected by the system that it only exists to serve geriatrics, right? Like, it only exists to serve the wealthiest and oldest people in our society and keep that power entrenched. And so, like, I think Democrats need to stop playing the what if games and start going. Well, yeah, this is where the chess pieces should fall, would fall, so let them fall there. Let Joe Manchin and let Kristen Cinema go, 
yes, I decided to join the Republican Party, the party of making sure that Trump won the election even though he didn't, the party of making sure that abortion goes away. I'd love for Kristen Cinema to join the Republican Party and then advocate against abortion when even all of the um, girl boss woke feminist liberal groups that supported <laughs> Kristen Cinema and are still like holding her in the bag right now will have to be like, whoa girl, we're gonna have to chill there on that. I'd love for her to say she's joining the Republican Party and joining the obstructionist because um, she has so thoroughly gone mask off on being a completely soulless, gutless politician who will only listen to whatever the mob says that will vote her in, that she'll go to the Republican Party and then decide to take on all that ideology. I wish she would. I wish Joe Manchin would like go ahead and say, I'm gonna be a full-on Republican. Maybe it'll work better for him in West Virginia. Maybe Paul Jean Swearingen will come for that ass. I don't know. We'll just have to wait and see and let that happen. But I'm waiting, I'm so sick of the Democrats. Donald Trump was able, would literally, like not literally, but like would, pen a tweet and anyone in this party, no one was safe in this party if you didn't go through the party line. And guess what? They got primaried. They got out of the party. He would purge them from the administration and then a Trump loyalist would come in, hence the point where we are today. The Democrats don't need to be that party, but desperate mm -hmm. times call for desperate measures. And at this point, yeah, let's start picking out the sides, who is really with us and who is really against us. So we can make it crystal clear, we can get some billboards up and we can start primarying them. Not some bullshit, let's get rid of Mitch McConnell thing with some Astro Surf Pod Save America candidate that no one knows about. <laughs> let's talk about actually going directly to the heart of the source, the goddamn problem. Sure, get them Republicans and then wipe their asses clean and get six more Democrats in the Senate. I know it's impossible, but like start playing that type of political game instead of going, Oh well, let's figure out how to strategize ourselves into getting lose into losing and getting rolled. Like I, ah, oh, Nancy Pelosi, like and the entire Democratic Party and everyone leading it needs to just like run off a cliff super quickly. Take it for a given that the Republican Party and the Republican media ecosystem doesn't have anything to talk about unless there's a Democratic politician creating some sort of controversy. Given that they create controversies out of nothing, I think this is even a low level for the right to go and even a low level for Ben Shapiro to go. But let's jump into this. So the context being that Ben Shapiro, again, having nothing of substance to talk about policy-wise um, or practicality-wise, he's trying to cast aspersions on the character of Joe Biden by saying that some Hunter Biden texts from the Daily Mail, which is a very non-reputable news organization that constantly makes things up and gets things wrong. Shout out Piers Morgan! Um, the, the Daily Mail reported on text messages from Hunter Biden, allegedly where he had used the N-word. And this ultimate point here, Ben Shapiro is trying to make is saying, well, this is the kind of person that Joe Biden raises a son. So that the left and the woke scold are so serious about racism and critical race theory and replacing the white people. Oop, did I say that? Then shouldn't they be upset about this clear point of racism here? It's a bad faith attempt, but it does result in Ben Shapiro giving us some rules of the road for the N-word. So of course, I had to jump in here and show this clip. Okay, so here is the full story about Hunter Biden. Now, again, I will say that when it comes to the use of the N-word, there is a difference between calling a black person an N-word with an E-R at the end and in, in jest using the N-word that ends with an A to describe a white person. Now, 
The latter is also really crude and gross and stupid. It's not racist in the same way that it would be if you were just shouting the N-word at a, at a black person, which is the height of racism, obviously, in American society. But here is the story from the UK Daily Mail. Hunter Biden used the N-word multiple times in conversation with his white $845 per hour lawyer. His text messages reveal. That's the height of racism in America? Bruh, that is the height of, just you know, dropping a hard R is the height of racism in America. All right, guys, just so solve it. Just, just stop, stop using hard R's. There you go, racism solved. Yamaka warrior Ben Shapiro has solved racism, ladies and gentlemen. I just never thought in my life I would need uh, Ben Shapiro to break down which is more racist or not between the ER and then addressing my homie. <laughs> No, hey. Ben Shapiro's been listening to a lot more rap music lately. I can tell he's been studying. Good Let me just on him. let you know, one is a lot more asinine to use, you know, against somebody than the other one. You know, the other one is all good in the hood. You know what I'm saying? Listen, I've got some cred down on Sesame Street. <laughs> Look, let me, let me just like, and this is not even the, the stance I have on this, but the fact Ben Shapiro is doing this makes me be like, Hunter, you get a pass, dog. Go ahead. Go ahead, Hunter. I don't care, dude. Call, call your lawyer. I'll be like, what a big dog. What up? What up? Like, I, I don't care. I, I, if that's the audio tape, I'll be like, what's the problem? We just, he, he's probably best friends with uh, Tom Hanks' son. It's a white boy summer, baby. Why you hating Ben Shapiro? It's a white boy summer. Let's go. Here's a counterpoint to young Benny Papino. Um, if, you know, dropping a hard R is the height of racism in America, then what's the height of anti-Semitism in America? Just like dropping a, 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 an anti-Semitic slur and then that's the height of anti-Semitism? Cool. No, he's not going to say that. What the fuck? It's, it's a hard K. It's the hard K, like a hard, a hard K. That's it? That, that, like, that's the height of racism? Say it with your chest. Say it chest, bitch, Bureau. I mean, he moved to he moved to Nashville, or whatever, or Tennessee, or Tennessee, and thought he was really cool. Now or he Florida. can just speak on things, or yeah, whatever. I don't know. Is that the hell that he Charlie is. Kirk gun holster right by his mouth? Yeah, you know. <laughs> oh God. Yeah, he's gonna be on JCS Crime Psychology soon. Um, but um, <laughs> it's really funny. Um, yeah, I just like put like this is like the most. What is the the best term for this? Is it's out of pocket? It's out of pocket. It's out. No one asked this of you. No one wants this from you. No one cares. And the worst thing is that's the last person I want to hear from it is you, Ben Shapiro. You're the last person. Get your little uh, get get your little mask on, mask off, Candace Owens puppet. Get her addressing this. I don't want you addressing none of this. Okay, I don't need you dropping the big news on Hunter Biden saying uh, n words to his attorney on the weekend while he's drinking uh, drinking white claws with his homies. I don't want I don't want Ben Shapiro giving me this update. I don't want Ben Shapiro clarifying it in word. I don't want anything to do with you here at all. Leave. 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 Uh, <laughs> no, no. I, I definitely got that. Like the the larger thing, I left the part about the Daily Mail's headline there because the Daily Mail the Daily Mail, the official like, like people in England. People in America don't understand this, but like, it's worse than TMZ. It's like such oh, a tabloid publica publication that exists for the rich and powerful. It's the rich and powerful's tabloid publication, so they can get their story out first. The National Enquirer. So you can tell 
someone who works the Daily Mail, like the Daily Mail is generally conservative more broadly, they just want to put any story out there, literally National Enquirer, um, check out stand at Safeway level quality of journalism here, <laughs> that people could possibly be saying that like Joe Biden's doing X, Y, or Z. And listen, maybe it's possible that uh, Hunter Biden got a little bit too comfortable with certain words. I wouldn't be surprised, wouldn't be the first white person to do so, all right? But the jump to make that it is indicative of Joe Biden's behavior and therefore the left is hypocritical for not attacking uh, Joe Biden on this story is very funny coming from Ben Shapiro who said, just because Donald Trump says racist things or does racist things, which by the way, he doesn't, which is something that Ben Shapiro tried to say all the time, that doesn't mean you can impugn the same thing on his voters. It doesn't mean anyone else is responsible for that behavior, but the individual. So again, Ben Shapiro here is using different kinds of logic for different sorts of situations based on what fits his political agenda. The idea that Ben Shapiro is based on some logic and then the logic just, the logic fairy just sticks him up the ass and takes him on a trip wherever the fuck he wants to go, wherever he may is, and that logic fairy takes him in the right position is completely untrue because the stick up his ass is Koch brothers money. It's Wilkes Brothers money. It's money from the um, oil barons and gas barons who make sure the bench, that the Daily Wire is afloat so we can do bullshit stories about fake Canadian rappers instead of talking about anything of actual substance, all right? It, it, That's it, what Ben Shapiro exists to do. Yeah, go to Daily Mail's website right now. I'm on this website. It's one article in the middle with Bill Maher, the legend, of course, calling out Kevin Hart. <laughs> And then surrounding is nine ads, okay? It's 19 ads, 48 ads in my face right now, popping up Walgreens, Yum! Discovery Channel. It's going in right now with ads. The homepage headline is Furious Bill Maher slams Kevin Hart's ridiculous claim in the New York Times that white power, white privilege is at an all-time high and says the woke liberals are suffering from a progressophobia. It's that's, Boomer Mad Libs. <laughs> that's your daily mail right there, okay? That's your daily mail for you, buddy. <laughs> it's Boomer Mad Libs. You have all the trigger words. There's um, woke, New York Times, cancel culture, progressive. black person, <laughs> progressive. Caps lock, white font, and black background, screaming. Oh, yeah, dude, we love Ma- it. We love major Drudge Report energy. <laughs> Kevin Hart in a sweater and jumpsuit hanging out texting while Bill Maher's screaming at him in a suit. We just, we love to see it. We just love to see the casualness of this. This is like casual race baiting here. It's oh, like yeah. The worst. It's absolutely sickening. Um, and so, with that, it seems like we have a lot of a show that we just did done somewhere in some place. Um, very low quality. Yes, power has been reported. We're done. We're out. Thank you very much for watching this episode. Um, Caesar, what are you working on? What are you and Bam working on? Well, um, yeah, I just dropped. No, I did not drop it. So, you boy, uh, you know, you boy Caesar has been working hard. 2022 Lula, baby. You know, official representative Lula 2022. He just doesn't know it yet. My boy's running again. Um, but yes, you can follow me. We made it Caesar. Um, I'm not Twitch streaming as often on Twitch. I'm going to be transitioning to doing some YouTube content. But please, we made it seize on all platforms, Instagram, uh, uh, YouTube, and Twitch. Follow me. Got some stuff coming up on the way. Bam, we made it podcast. We've been doing a lot of live episodes on our tw- on my Twitch channel. So even if you want to see we made it podcast, you can watch the live episodes 
um, and, and let us know how you feel about this wonderful sport of soccer, which the Euros just started. Amen. It's on We Made It Seas a Twitch, all right? It's the Christian Erickson for sure. Um, mm-hmm. um, uh, Sean, what's up on Audio Face? Because I don't know. Audio Face is a, a musical podcast about music, news, and culture that mostly matters. Now we've got a um, we have the last ever episode of Audio Face that we're going to record tomorrow, and that'll be popped up on Monday. Um, no, it's a joke Real because shit. we're oh. reviewing because we're reviewing uh, Migos Fair. and uh, Migos and Maroon Five. So you know it's going to be um, it's going to be beautiful. So you can follow us at Audio Face Pod on Instagram, um, Twitter, all this stuff, and uh, YouTube.com forward slash Audio Face Pod for all our clips and stuff. Um, that way you can get all of your news, musical content, and all that jazz um, and our opinions on said things. On yeah, Paramore album on the way. Woo! Oh, Lord. It is going to be a very trashy summer. But uh, we're slinging content out here, goddammit. So check out C's. Um, check out BAM. Check out We Made It Podcast. Check out Sean. Check out Audio Face. And um, give me a follow while you're at it. I wouldn't mind that as well. Dan from the web on Twitter. Dan from the internet on Instagram. But obviously, Power Report World. Let's plug Let's plug the damn show for once. Power Report World, PowerReport.World on Instagram. PowerReport.World is the website you can go to. And PowerReportWRLD on Twitter because that's the way my life works. Um, but check us out in all those places. You can see us, you can follow us on our shows and see what we're doing in our related um, extraneous worlds. And um, with the power and spirit of the Democrats fighting the filibuster and maybe some Robotussin, Bam will be back to join us in the next panel. Uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. need some Robotussin. The squad is back. The squad will reunite. <laughs> yes. We'll be back. Thank you. We'll be back. Um, I'm not going to make any promises, but we'll be back, I promise. <laughs> see ya. Thank you, Lou.